sometimes I think about it is like investing in your brand is almost like investing in your 401k. You know, it's like you have to be patient. You have to be consistent. There's that word again, Ruth. And you have to trust that it'll pay off eventually. Welcome to Now Brands Talk. This is a show for leaders who care deeply about brand integrity and customer relationships. You're about to learn from CX leaders who have firsthand experience bridging that tricky divide between brands and the people who love them. Let's listen in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Now Brands Talk. And I'm your host, Ruth Sive. And my guest today, oh my God, I'm so excited, is Mega Nurian, head of marketing at Assembled and the former head of brand at Atlassian, where she was when I first met her. Mega is my brand mentor. She's a true brand connoisseur and one of the best people to talk to about our main topic for today, which is all about brand. And in particular, what does brand mean in a digital world? How do you measure brand momentum? How do you know when it's time to evolve your brand? And Mega is bringing very unique perspective because while she used to be laser focused on brands specifically, she now has a much broader digital marketing mandate at an organization that's very focused on customer experience. So welcome, Mega. Can you believe this? Who would have thought that when I reached out to you almost two years ago that we would be having this conversation on a podcast? Can't believe it. (laughs) It's mind blowing, right? It's crazy. And the world has changed a lot. So we've got a lot of ground to cover here. Um, But before we jump into the Q&A and and the meat of our discussion, I always kick off these podcasts with the same question. Tell me what is the best interaction that you've ever had with a brand and and what about it really made it so special? Okay, so you're going to have to forgive me, but I'm going to choose... A recent example with a brand that's, I don't think available in Canada, famously not available in Canada, but you may know Trader Joe's. It is not available. Oh, it's breaking okay. my heart, but let's hear more about how great it is. <laughs> well, I think what's amazing is like, who knew that a grocery store could be like consistently delightful? Like even take consistent out of it, delightful. Like mm. there are things that you know that are always going to be true about them. Like out of this world, friendly employees that make me want to work there. <laughs> incredible food. And then there are the things that surprise you. I think like the new stuff that they're constantly trying out product wise. And it's like a store that I want. I want to roam every aisle. And the craziest part is they don't advertise. They don't discount no coupons. It's like, they just are who they are. Wow. Which is well, amazing. now I've never been to Trader Joe's, so now I want to go even more. I don't like that you asked to take the word consistently out of it, because from my point of view, like con- that consistency, especially, especially when you have those, you know, special unexpected touch points, it, that's almost what makes it consistent, right? That the brand is able to deliver like that repeatedly, predictably totally. in a way that, you know, makes you feel connected. So I love that example. We haven't had that one yet on the podcast. So let's let's jump into the, the Q&A. This is probably the most on-brand episode for Now Brands Talk that we've had to date. It's literally all about the brand. So tell me from your perspective, what is brand? What do you mean when you say that word? I did admit something that I hate this question because... <laughs> you can't pass. You can't. I can't pass. Can't, no. I know. <laughs> I hate this question because brand feels like such a complicated and loaded term right? Like Hmm. it has, it has been in my job titles for many years and it has haunted me because 
it was almost like brand had a brand problem. <laughs> the irony of that. Like so often it was misinterpreted or narrowly defined or worse, like seen as the team that like makes sure that you use the right logo, like the rule mm. enforcers. Yeah. And I would get myself in so many pickles. I remember in previous jobs where I would say brand is more than that. And people would say, well, okay, what is it? And I'd be like, well, it's a lot of things, you know, and a lot of times it's what people say about you and, and how they experience you and not necessarily like what you're telling them or what you think it is. And then they would say, well, why do we need brand people? <laughs> Which is touche, touche. But I guess like my embedded point is that there are the stuff that you can control and then there's the stuff that you can't. And there's probably like a pretty drastic difference in allocation there. But, you know, it's like fundamentally just about being human. How do you make people feel a certain way about you? Like, it's not just one ad. It's not just a webinar. It's a bunch of other things. It's why full funnel marketing exists. So like, I'm going to answer your question in a slightly different way, which is like potentially how we're defining brand now. Like even just in the last two years since, since you and I had the brand conversation, mm -hmm. it's so interesting that so many growth, demand gen, performance marketing folks are talking about brand, but they're using different terms. They're, they're talking about dark social. They're talking about category creation. And this is like 1000% what folks that have been working in brand, community, content, creative roles have been thinking about and working on forever. And my first reaction was like, hey, wait a minute. But now I'm like, actually, this is great because it's starting to percolate in all the places that matter. And now we're all focused, like, you know, when it comes to, let's just talk about marketers. Now we're all focused on the same thing, which is getting people to engage with us and with each other and on the stuff that we care about. And like, if that eventually means that they come to our storefront, then great. Yeah. So like in a way brand might be a little bit more of a mindset and I know how woo woo that sounds, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I'll stop there. <laughs> woo, woo woo is a good word. You've, you've said so much. Let's, let's unpack it a little bit. It's almost as though, especially, you know, when you touch on this notion of dark social, it's, it's almost, you know, brand is your reputation. It's, it's really how you make people feel and what they feel about you behind your back almost. And, you know, historically brand has been about logo, website, billboards, ads. That's kind of, legacy brand. And now we understand that those are just inputs into your reputation. There's so many other things that are influencing how people feel, especially in a digital world. And a lot has changed certainly in the last two years that I think are moving brands to consider the impact of those digital touch points and interactions. 100%. So that's great context uh, for our discussion. Talk a little bit practically about what you think has really shifted fundamentally in the last couple of years as a result of the pandemic. As you do your work, what are you thinking about today from a brand perspective that you weren't necessarily thinking about two or five years ago? Okay. I'll also admit that I don't know that my strategy has shifted tremendously in the past two years because it, I mean, I, I learned a lot of hard lessons along the way, but like if your strategy is rooted in meet people where they're at, mm -hmm. then ideally your strategy isn't going to change tremendously because it's sort of anchored in the thing that's like, how are people feeling? What's going on in their lives? How can I speak to them in a way that appeals to where they are in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think like, 
you hinted at this a, a bit ago, but you know, like one of the things that has shifted for me, pan- pandemic or not, has been definitely how I think about the ways, the more powerful ways that brand can exist and influence and impact. And if you had asked me like five years ago, I never would have answered this way. But I think that this is sort of a testament to to SaaS and actually now working in CX, you just sort of learn a bit more about how people feel and where they feel those things. Example, like onboarding is brand. It's probably like one of the more important brand interactions you can have, right? Like you make or break your relationship in many ways there. Mm. Like customer success teams work in brand. Like they're in the business of making sure that you have like brand evangelists. They're the team that I go to to say, hey, who can we who can we get a case study from? Who can we get an amazing logo from? Like, those are brand influencers and brand evangelists. Like, product For teams sure. are brand people too. I right? say like, my my SDRs and BDRs <laughs> are brand evangelists. They're often the very first you know touch point that a prospect has with our brand. So yeah, I do you think customer or let's not even say customer. Let's say stakeholder expectations. So when you think about the universe of people that interact with a brand, those might be employees or prospects or customers. Have have their expectations changed? What do they like? What they expect of a brand? Has that? Do you see a big shift there on, on the flip side of the equation? Yeah, I mean, and you may be leading the witness here. And I, <laughs> if if this were just me and you talking, I'd be like, Ruth, tell me what you think. <laughs> but like, maybe I'll just put myself in the shoes of like, quote unquote, the stakeholder. Like, I'm now experiencing nine million different brands in 9 million different ways every single day, which is like just the product of us being in this digital world where there are a million levers to pull. And so I actually think that in many ways, the expectation is a bit less about like, are you going to show me a big flashy TV ad or a Super Bowl ad? Like every year I watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. And I actually think every year the sort of hype around those goes down and down because Like we now live in a world where you're influencing people on a day-to-day basis versus like every February. And I actually hate to admit this to myself, but like the thing that I know best is maybe the least impactful brand interaction that we have, which is like billboards, TV ads, big flashy PR moments. Like that's the world we live in now. And even back to your question, Ruth, when you said like, what is your sort of favorite brand interaction? It wasn't like Trader Joe's because they have the best ads. Right. Right. <laughs> it was like Trader Joe's because they have the best experience, period. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. It's almost as though the customer or the stakeholder is driving the brand strategy, whereas it used to very much be the inverse, right? Yeah. Totally. Mm. Totally. Yeah. I love that. So like in many ways, we we actually have a lot less agency maybe than we used to. And it doesn't matter how much money you spend, which is great. It's like maybe it ultimately doesn't mean that you need a big budget to influence how people feel. And I think that's what a lot of the folks that talk about dark social and and kind of community building are are talking about. It's just like you can do some really powerful work for free. Yeah. If you do it in the right way. Yeah. The playing field is much more level than it used to be. Totally. Yeah. Well, talk to me about the idea of brand promise. Um, This is something that fascinates me because when you think about website, billboard ad, you know, message, logo, there's a lot that's promised by brands. And what do you think, how can brands best live up to that promise? Yeah, well, maybe I can talk to you like, I know you're a parent, Ruth. 
Like Mm -hmm. in many ways, it's like, what do you teach your kids about how to be a good human, how to be a good friend? It's like, live up to your word. Mm. And it's not just about what you say or the colors that you use as an example. It's like for a promise to be kept and felt, it has to percolate in all of the ways that matter. And that's actually another hard lesson that I've learned through the years is I was very much like of the school of thought that's like a brand promise is like a perfectly crafted statement that lives on your website. And you just hope that everyone internally and externally understands and lives up to it. Mm-hmm. And that is a really naive, I think a really naive way to think. <laughs> and one of the biggest lessons I learned at Atlassian, my previous company was, was that like a brand promise means nothing if you can't influence the people that are actually really, truly driving the brand from the inside out. And so like at Atlassian, we have this, we had this thriving community. They still have a thriving community that effectively just sort of like would drive, would drive revenue. It's Mm -hmm. like we, our customers would sell the the company and the brand for us. And so for me, it was, how do I get in there and actually just pour gasoline on what's already working versus saying, everyone listen to this tenant and make sure we live up to this tenant. And like, I'm laughing now because I have to say like one of the most impactful, internally impactful ways for us to roll out a new brand at Atlassian was get this in a keynote template. Like it was the, the thing that everyone used (laughs) and it was the thing that they used every single day. And it was almost like a vehicle for us to remind people like in a template, why we exist, what we stand for, why we've made the choices we've made, like ultimately who cares what shade of blue you're using, but what actually matters is like why you've made those decisions. Like what is that rooted in? And for us, I'm going to use the words that you brought up in the very beginning. Like it was all about consistency it was all about scalability. It was all about flexibility and not necessarily like a superficial, we have to look a certain way. Mm. And so it was like an incredible te- teachable moment every single day for every single team. And I believe our founders, the Atlassian founders, when asked about what they remembered from like the brand and the rebrand, it was the keynote template. Interesting. <laughs> so it's like something so small, right? Yeah, but but really that serves as as almost a foundation to ensure that it trickles down to all of those frontline points of interaction you know you mentioned the onboarding experience if you're selling software for instance like if the brand promise breaks down at that point you're you're kind of dead in the water you lose that customer advocacy you lose that authentic you know that authenticity so what you really want to do is build a brand and then make sure that it carries through across all of those touch points all of those opportunities if there if there's a gap there then it's kind of just a template right definitely definitely it's just like a thing on a wall exactly exactly maybe that's the biggest shift is that in this digital world, the space between what you say as a brand and how you deliver against it has become so much more compressed. Like there's greater access to your end stakeholder in real time across digital properties, on demand. And so 
that the the promise can't be diluted. Like it has to be real. Anyways, now now I'm being. What's the word you said? Woo 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 woo. Now I'm talking woo woo. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. And I think it's like the the biggest driver behind like the categories that that Ada and Assemble play in. You yeah, know? yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, let's let's make this a little bit less woo-woo and more practical. <laughs> this is something you and I have talked a lot about, and it's tripped me up historically. How do you measure brand impact? What what can brand leaders do to help executives feel good about the brand investments? I mean, I allocate some of my budget to pay-per-click spend. I can directly connect the dots between that investment and revenue. But the same is not always true of the investments that I make in brand. So how do you measure? How do you feel good that these investments are paying off? Yeah, well, let's actually take your PPC example because, and I think you and I chatted about this last year, yep. like you can actually take branded paid search as an indicator of brand awareness. Like if that share is growing, if pe- more people know to Google Ada plus chatbot or yep. whatever, you know that you're doing your job well in the brand space. But I think I'll start by kind of talking about the mistakes that I've made in the past, which is one, like kind of sticking my, like sticking my feet in the ground saying like, just trust me, like brand is different. Just trust me. But, and, and that does not go over well. And (laughs) and that's also a bit like short-sighted and naive. And so I think the lesson I learned along the way was breaking it into like bite-sized and almost like time box, time-based ways and starting with the longest yardstick maybe, which is the kind of the the more intuitive one for me. Like the way that sometimes I think about it is like investing in your brand is almost like investing in your 401k. You know, it's like you have to be patient. You have to be consistent. There's that word again, Ruth. And you have to trust that it'll pay off eventually. And the kind of the longer term signals for that, right, are like the classic awareness measures and equity studies that folks do. Maybe it's quarter over quarter, year over year. I think like in my past, past, past life at Visa, when you're a brand that's spending multiple millions of dollars every year, like you're tracking this thing on a quarterly basis and you're tracking it down to the percentage. Like, is it Amex versus MasterCard versus versus Visa? Like 98% awareness. If that goes down, you know that something's there's an issue there. But I think for a lot of other companies, like the shorter term signals are probably more relevant. So we mentioned branded paid search as an example, right? We would also actually look at everything from like organic traffic to social engagement. And then we would layer on things like NPS, brand awareness, and we would kind of create, like actually we did create a brand index. It was a bit complicated in retrospect and it doesn't actually always have to be that complicated. But I think the meta point here is that like the most powerful measure of brand is a really multi, multi, multi-dimensional one, right? It's like brand isn't just one thing. And so you actually, in order to get a really like accurate picture, you need to be measuring it in all the ways that you believe brand is percolating in your organization, right? So it's like, if you're doing studies on how people feel about you after onboarding or, or surveys rather, great, like throw that in the mix. Yeah. If you're doing CSAT, everything from CSAT to NPS or like, even Ruth, SLA, like if you believe that SLA is a reflection of your brand, which actually at Assembled we do, like throw that in there. So it, the best part about it is that you actually can control what goes into, let's call it an index, based on what you believe is important to you. 
I love and that. so it, in the end, it actually can be very, very accessible because in most cases you have everything you need right in front of you. Yeah. I love the idea of an index that can be customized based on your company's maturity, based on the things that are most important to you, based on how you interact with your stakeholders. You know, there could even be measures on the employer brand front, you know, candidate acceptance rate or things like that, right? That that touch brand. Totally. Yeah. So this was really life-changing for me as a marketer when you and I talked about this, because what you helped me to realize is that even in the early stages of your business, there are ways to measure brand impact. Sort of generally speaking, I think of it as air cover for everything else that you're doing from a pipeline and revenue perspective. Your brand is kind of your brand equity is the air cover that you're providing to, to all else that you're doing, but there are actually really practical ways to measure that. So I love all of those examples. Brand is something that I think always needs to be a little bit dynamic, even though you want to build for consistency. How do you know when it's time to evolve your brand? What are some of the indicators from your perspective that it's time to take that step? Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually refer back to my time at Atlassian and I, I have to credit my design and creative partners here because in many ways they were the ones that were living the brand day in and day out, actually just from a marketing standpoint, like they were sort of experiencing the pain of a stunted brand and they would know exactly how to point out its challenges in many ways, the kind of functional challenges. Mm-hmm. And so like for us, like we had to strip all ego out and say like, what problem are we actually trying to solve? And to, to get to your question, ultimately there may just be problems that come up over and over and over that you say like, okay, it's time to change X, Y, Z. And, you know, for us, it was like small things, big things, small things. We realized maybe small, maybe big. We realized that like our logos were not, kind of designed in a way that were optimized for really, really small spaces, whether it was like in the app store on mobile or in small screens, Mm. we realized like the type that we were using was also not scalable, like didn't scale down. It didn't scale up. It was really, really, really clunky. So these are all like visual examples, but then on the product side, like that team was experiencing a ton of pain, whether it was like in all the feedback that they were getting from customers around like the navigation in Jira. And so what that actually led to was like a marketing and product kind of like hand-holding exercise where it was like, all right, let's figure out what we are solving for together. And then what are the key dependencies? Is it like, do we need to get our story straight? Do we need to get our kind of collective, like, how do we want to feel, how do we want everyone to feel across the entire journey? Is it like, is it a product strategy thing as something else entirely? And I think like what was so amazing about that exercise was that it started like the trigger was something so small, right? Like one of the designers saying like, it's really hard to use this in like a very small banner ad. (laughs) And it, that actually kind of uncovered much, something much bigger, which led to what we call the Atlassian design guidelines or ADG, which is very similar to Google's material design. Mm -hmm. And those are all like fancy terms of like fancy ways of saying like a bunch of teams coming together to say like, how do we want people to experience our product and how should that look in marketing as well? And like, there's there's a a somewhat famous example of a brand that I will not mention that had this incredible, a marketing rebrand, like incredible, beautiful, and 
pretty drastically different from the product. And so folks would like see this billboard, they would see ads, they got all these emails, they were super excited, and then clicked into the product and it was like, whoa, drastic difference. Interesting. And so like that is maybe another signal is like, how are folks feeling when they actually get into your product and what are the kind of barriers or block blocks, you know, and how can that feed maybe potentially what marketers are feeling on the other side when, as it relates to like, is this the right story? Are we speaking to people where they're at, et cetera? So, sorry, it's a long way of, of saying like, it kind of depends. Well, no, but what you're pointing out again, is that brand, the, the decision to evolve your brand should really be a cross-functional consideration. There are product implications, there are customer implications, there are marketing implications, sales implications, and that it really should be a cross-functional discussion from a strategic perspective that considers all of those different touch points and experiences across that journey. So I think that's super interesting because you can't make the decision in a siloed way on one side of the organization and expect to have the kind of impact that you're hoping to have with your brand. Totally. Then it's just like a Pinterest board, honestly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we have covered a lot of ground in this discussion. Honestly, I could spend another half hour chatting, but I do like to wrap up the discussion with a bit of a lightning round of questions so that our listeners can get to know you a bit more personally. So I'm going to quick fire them at you. You're not allowed to pass. Actually, you can in this case, if I put you on the spot too badly. <laughs> so what is an ad jingle that you remember from childhood that takes up space in your brain? You don't have to sing it. Oh my God. Any 90s baby will remember like the crossfire jingle. It's like this monster ballad. I will not, I will absolutely not sing it, Ruth, but <laughs> I'll have Google to Google it. it because I'm not a 90s baby. <laughs> How do you take your coffee or tea? Oh, black. Just like straight to the face, please. <laughs> I always say I'd, I'd have mine hooked up to an IV if I could. Same, same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would you rather be able to visit a thousand years into the future or a thousand years into the past? The past, because I have a lot more context that would make my questions better. Interesting. And what are you binge watching on TV right now? Ooh, I'm going way back in time. I've never seen The Sopranos and that's what I'm watching. Wow, good for you. I've also never seen it. Okay, so we kicked off with the best interaction that you ever had with a brand. Without naming any names and throwing anyone under the bus, what's the worst interaction you've ever had with a brand? Oh, this happened yesterday, waiting on hold with the bank for about 90 minutes only wow. to hear our call centers close. Ah, uh, infuriating. Not an uncommon experience, unfortunately. Okay, so I'm going to highlight some of the takeaways from today's discussion so that uh, our listeners can actually turn this into, into action because um, I like these to be very practical. You should consider that every person in your organization is really a brand evangelist, and it's at those smaller points of interaction that you have an opportunity to deliver against your brand promise. So SDRs, onboarding teams, product teams, client success teams, all of these interactions really need to live up to that brand promise if you're going to have the impact that you're hoping for. It's the customer or the stakeholder today that's driving the brand strategy, whereas years back, it kind of used to be the other way ar around. So that dynamic should really inform how you make your investments. I love this one, even though you chuckled. Investing in your brand is like investing in a 401k. You have to be patient and consistent and know that it will pay off over time. And then lastly, brand really isn't just one thing. In order to get an accurate 
picture of your brand and to understand how and when to evolve it, you need to be measuring and it really needs to be a cross-functional consideration. So great takeaways there. Thank you so much for being on the show, Mega. How can people get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Just go ahead and add me. I'm waiting for a guest to say, well, here's my phone number. They could just give me a call. (laughs) Everybody says LinkedIn. Nobody has said Twitter. I also say LinkedIn. You can find me as well on LinkedIn. Look me up, connect with me. And thank you for listening to this episode of Now Brands Talk. You can subscribe to hear more conversations with CX and brand leaders wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much, Mega. Thanks, Ruth. With Ada, brands can finally talk to customers with a consistent voice anytime, anywhere. The world's most beloved brands like Zoom, Square, and Facebook all use Ada's brand interaction platform to build real relationships with customers. If you felt the pain of delivering a great customer experience that is authentic, personalized, and scalable, then Ada is for you. Learn more about Ada's brand interaction platform at ada.cx slash podcast. You've been listening to Now Brands Talk, a podcast by Ada. Stay connected by subscribing to the show, leaving us a rating and comment, and sharing episodes you love. Your support and feedback ensures future episodes will address your interests with fresh discussion and insights about how brands talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time.